<laughs> have you done a podcast before? I have not. You um, haven't? First oh, one. Okay. Have you ever heard your voice this close to your ears? No, it's very interesting. <laughs> Is it un- unnerving? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. That's good. Like one of my favorite uh, documentary filmmakers, this guy David Hoffman, he's like an OG sort of documentary film guy. But he said... Um, you know, because like when you're doing documentaries as a you and you're filming people, it's nerve wracking for the filmmaker because you want to put people at ease and you want them to be relaxed. And so, especially for me, I don't like being on camera, so I tend to project that to the subject. And I'm like, how can I make this easier for yeah. them or <laughs> calm them or whatever? But in reality, um, what happens is the opposite effect of what you want to yield comes out of it. Mm. So, um, uh, what he does is he tells The more people, you try to calm him down, the worse it gets. Kind or of just kind of like you just don't get the stuff that you mm. really want to elicit from them. Oh. So, uh, so what he, he does, and, and it's so brilliant, He's, he says, I, I, I do the opposite. What I do is I tell people, this is your time to make your claim or just tell your story for future generations for all to come this is your moment mm. you know like this like just grinds yeah. the pressure down on them yeah it's <laughs> <Yeah>. like deliver <laughs> but, but then what happens is like people good luck yeah right yeah <laughs> theoretically I guess what happens is like people respond well to that and yeah. then they, could uh, they rise to the occasion they rise to the occasion or they at the very least do something that's impassioned or has more dynamism mm-hmm. natively about mm-hmm. it as opposed to just being like well I'm just going to tentatively mm-hmm. be on camera uh, you know right Right. So, so for you uh, today, thanks. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is something that's really the most important thing that you've ever done. No, but just, just, just think about it. Like you, you know, your children one day will listen to this podcast because they're going to be seeking out like what was, what was, right. mo- what was mom doing back then? You know, and so uh, no pressure. This is just your legacy. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, does that work? And that works. Yeah. yeah. Whenever somebody says his first podcast, we got to just lean in. Oh yeah, man. Like, well, yeah. No anyway, pressure. Hey, hopefully, you'll be doing another one at some yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, what uh, were you gonna say? I was just gonna say welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Super exciting. Thanks for making the journey from. Did you come from Fort Houston or did you come from Mount Juliet? Fort Houston. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mount Juliet's kind of like a, a spot now. Is it? Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are there. It's pretty. There. It's grown. Yeah, it's certainly grown mm. over the years. That's did you? For sure. Did you grow up there? I did. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I, I knew you were, I knew you were a Middle Tennessee uh, uh, native. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we moved to Middle Tennessee in like 2002, mm-hmm. and before that, we were in Colorado Springs. Colorado. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you military or something? No. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay, so just some sort of undisclosed reason for moving place to place <laughs> that we don't want to talk about. No, it's just my mom's job. Mm. So she moved. She used to be with. Um, was it Focus on the Family? And now she's with HarperCollins Publishing. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so. Colorado Springs is beautiful too, by the way. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It was a great place to grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love Colorado. I've I've had the occasion to be to spend some time like it just in like Denver Boulder area. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I went fishing in Vail and um, just like on a day trip from Denver or something. So I've seen like a bit of yeah. Den- a bit of Colorado, and I mean, what's not to love? I yeah. feel bad. I've only driven through it. Did you know that it, the Denver area, the greater metro Denver area, I believe, is the most literate place in the United States? More books read there than any other place in the United oh, States. Wow. I think that's a true fact. I, yeah, I think it is. And it seems weird, but I think it's true. Isn't that the, <laughs> isn't that the place I where you also get that. the most sunshine? Isn't that the most sunshine place? It could be. It could be. It is, it is very you bright there when you are there. Yeah. yeah. And beautiful, beautiful yeah. mountain light. Yes. Right? Oh yeah, my exactly. God. Like cue the John Denver. Yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> and the snow, you know, just reflects all the light even mm. more. So yeah. you just feel like I like this right. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, when I lived in yeah. Seattle, I learned that they have the highest sales per capita of sunglasses in the country. In Seattle? In Seattle, because what happens is the sun goes away for so long. The, and then, oh my and then <laughs> like seven or eight months or whatever it is and then it springs out right and like uh, I-5 will just practically shut down because people Everybody's can't see if oh they're all gosh. blinded they all just go <laughs> and they're all scrambling they like, can't find their sunglasses like, like vampires like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the only place where they, they buy sunglasses yeah. every eight months or every year right <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, um, but you know. So, and then meanwhile, here in, in Nashville, for those that don't uh, live here or um, who are listening elsewhere or uh, have never been here, um, it's supposed to be fall already, and it's it's effing a hundred and something right now, and everybody's <laughs> reaching their end of like the, all all the like. I try to remind myself like how bad it feels in the winter time yeah and just yeah. To be like you know what I would be really pleased to be getting burned alive by the sun right now it's so cold right yeah. right right but uh but anyway but, but here yeah, we it's are hard. it's hard when it's like just day after day of like 95 and humid it slows yeah. down <laughs> and it's also September yeah. and you're kind of like can't we have some like pumpkin spice already? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> people wonder how like like so much Southern culture and uh, you know the arts or whatever gave like you think about you know blues music on porches in the summer or you know there's so many things that are just about these slow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason. Yeah, it, it, the, the temperature <laughs> and the vibe definitely. Is, I, that's very yeah. true. I also think too. I mean, as somebody who you you have also spent time in in the Northeast, and I feel mm-hmm. like. I feel like that's the that's the that's the backstory of the short-tempered northeast midwest person is that culture is informed by winter and winter yeah. used to be life and fucking death yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they still have that in them yeah. you know what i mean so they so yeah. everything it's the middle of july and you're driving too slow Fuck yeah. you, we're all gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really do think that's where that comes from. <laughs> uh, but you've been in Nashville most of your adult life? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, do you think you'll always be here or do you have eyes for somewhere else? Uh, I don't think I'll always be here. Mm. Um, you gotta go somewhere. Yeah, you Everybody has gotta to go, go somewhere. somewhere. Mm. Yeah. If you've been here for a long time. But then you have to come back though. Yeah. yeah, you know, all my family's here. So I'm sure no matter where I go, I'll always be mm-hmm. frequenting Nashville. Do you feel like that people are not very happy to see you? Because they will be if you go away for a while. <laughs> Absence makes no. the heart grow. It really does. <laughs> it's a special thing when you go away for, you know. Yeah, I, I that's did it for true. Like my last run, I went to New York for four years. When I came back, people were so happy to see me let's hang out yeah it's like this whole thing yeah they totally forgot they they, they fucking hated your guts for years ago exactly hey brian what are you doing yeah but but you're such a familiar angst yeah Yeah. i know there's something wrong here do you have people in your life that you um were like that were kind of not enemies or whatever in this childhood way but you know people you just did not get along with and then there's some sort of pause or break in life and then you run across them again and you actually get along really well have you ever mm-hmm. experienced that yeah no no <laughs> <laughs> i haven't but i what i've experienced is going to like other cities and someone who used to live here who i like never really hung out with when they were here is like oh you're in town please let's hang out uh-huh. let's go do stuff and it's kind of like that opposite effect of you're like oh someone from my state is here oh, I see. we should get together the novelty mm-hmm. or the familiarity yeah is, uh, yeah a premium that it like, wasn't before yep yeah. yeah, I've experienced that quite a bit. I experienced that a lot in New York, but it was really just because people wanted a free place to stay at my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. let me tell you, that, like the summer in New York is, n- is just a, a rotisserie of people coming in every weekend, mm. just one after the other. And hey, you had, Brian! And you had to get yeah. to the you had to get to the point You've got where a place exactly. <laughs> but they, uh, um, the funny thing was there were a lot of the times too. It was um, uh, people that had never been to New York City. So you're basically playing tour guide or they expect you to play tour guide, but when you're living there, I don't have time to be your tour guide. I mean, I might mm-hmm. like meet up with you here and there, but they want all these recommendations. So I would just tell them, because they would always come with like a list of things, mm-hmm. like, oh, we want to go here, like tomorrow, like they're coming for just a three-day weekend. Yeah. Where are you living? <laughs> in Queens. In Queens, okay, so tell me, if I'm coming to visit you in Queens, yeah. what year is it? Uh, the last time I was there was 2007 to 2011. Okay, so give me your recommendations for that time. It's recommendations was generally the same. I still do this now. I did just, just the other day because somebody you know used to live there, so what, I'm going to go up there. I've never been there before. <laughs> I'm still and, doing it. And the thing is, is I, I tell people the same thing every time. I'm, I say, first of all, whatever you think you're going to do, cut your list in half, if not mm-hmm. in two, like yeah. a quarter. Mm-hmm. You're not going to... People think that you're just going to be able to like buzz and kind of transmute yourself through the system to mm-hmm. just be appear in these places. Like, no, it it takes you fucking forever to get across town or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. It's it's a journey, and if you're not used to navigating it, 
on top of that, you're effed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I try to like recommend things that are on easy train lines or whatever. But basically, what I would tell you, Joe, uh, first of all, I'd say, look, you you know, you can't sleep in my room. Okay, mm -hmm. I I have privacy here. Understood. And I want to, no snoring. Understood. No, but uh, <laughs> no, but like what I would say is what I what I tell people is. Um, cut your list down, uh, pick the essential things. Um, don't do um, the, I know you wanna, like, oh, I love the idea that I'm gonna be able to walk around everywhere. It's like, yes, you can, but you, if you're not used to yeah. it, you are going to fall apart at the mm -hmm. seams because you the kind of walking that you do there that you get conditioned to is where you're just doing it all the time. You don't even think about it, mm -hmm. but you're power walking. Mm -hmm all the time mm -hmm. and so when people come that are not used to walking at that tempo and at that pace yeah it's kind of like uh you know fighting justin gaethje or something right oh it's man. like yeah you, you know so you don't so, even realize how bad it's gonna get athletic or in shape or whatever it doesn't matter uh -huh. your feet are gonna start failing you bring comfortable shoes you know and get prepared and then the other thing i guess is uh you know as far as like what i would tell people to do or see i, I just say like um I give them things to do that are like ways to kind of park themselves or get out of the norm because people mm. want to go there and they do all this stuff but I'm like no no here's what you do <laughs> go uh, take because uh, usually they're staying in Manhattan for whatever reason or maybe Brooklyn um, but I say you know take the 7 train from Grand get to Grand Central and then take the 7 one stop to Vernon Boulevard get out walk three blocks go to Gantry Plaza State Park it is the best view in all of New York City and mm. the most beautiful park and no one really knows about it for whatever reason unless you live there. It's not a tourist attraction mm -hmm. and it is absolutely the best view. It's like right across the East River from the UN. It's really mm. just amazing. So I tell people to go there and it's just a nice place to go kind of park for mm -hmm. a while and it doesn't feel crazy. Um, and then there's little it restaurants. It doesn't cost nothing. It doesn't cost anything. And then there's really good little <laughs> restaurants around there and everything. So I'll recommend tell those. Me, tell me a restaurant. Where am I having lunch? Uh, you're going to go to, <laughs> you're going to have lunch at a place called Takumen, which is a uh, mm. kind of like a ramen place. It's right oh, on the, yeah. it's on the walk down there. It's great. Yeah. Um, so you'll do that. And then um, from there, I, I would also this say. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm picturing it all in my mind. <laughs> the other thing I tell people is um, to go. Uh, so if you're there, if they're going to be there on a Sunday morning, uh, like on a like a long weekend and you're gonna stay Sunday night I say go mm -hmm. to Sunday brunch at this place called Miss Favela in Williamsburg it is like uh, a Brazilian uh, restaurant bar party place mm -hmm. and so you go and you basically have like the best uh, you know food that you could ever have so good but the vibe they have live music mm -hmm. they have the you know, cumbia and like all that stuff and it's just it, used to be so a, you drink all these caipirinhas and you're, mm -hmm. it's eleven thirty in the morning and you're full of sugar and alcohol mm -hmm. and good food and you are just going so like <laughs> you end up like four hours later you're like I don't remember my name but I'm having the best time ever. That sounds good. Yeah, there used to be a Colombian restaurant in in Nashville on Nolensville Road that had um, like a breakfast that was called I can't remember what it was called but it basically they they had the name for it and then it was uh, in parentheses hillbilly breakfast so it was like a, it was like a farmer's country breakfast in, in Brazil yeah I mean hmm. Colombia yeah and it was like it was weird because there was all these like 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 there was like it was almost like a British English breakfast like there was like a blood sausage and all this huh. kind of stuff but then it was like uh, you know uh, yucca fries or whatever <laughs> you know it was, it was it was a very cool combination of yeah. stuff and then the other that thing I, I, I was also telling Good. Tell people to go to the, <laughs> I tell people to go to the Met and just expect to see like one one hundredth of what yeah, all it's is huge. there. Yeah, mm. and that's that's a safe bet because then you like yeah. there's something there for everybody. And, right, you know it's not a mm -hmm. it's not a problem. But yeah, that's so you've fun. been to the Met, right? I have. Yeah, I, I had a really nice experience there because I was able to, you know, I went there probably like fifty times. Mm. You know, when I was living there last, and it's just wow. something about going to a museum over and over and over yeah. especially something that vast mm -hmm. yeah but you start to have like relationships with certain pieces where you kind of go back and visit them mm -hmm. that's wonderful you know mm -hmm. I, I, um there's this painting there by rousseau that's massive and it's what the one that he worked on his whole life and never declared it finished mm -hmm. that's probably one of my favorites something wow. about deep I, I really like him yeah um there's i've felt that way about like you know certain like long running ex like a museum exhibit in town or something like that I've, I've had that feeling of like I want to go back and look at that motherfucker again like I want to go back and see that painting one more time before it's gone you know what I mean yeah, yeah. stuff like that um, 
Yeah, it's... Uh, it also speaks to the value of having really strong museums with actual permanent collections right. in your town. Right. right. That are just like, yes, that thing lives here. I know. Yes. Nashville's yeah. hurting for that kind of thing. It'd be great to get a, a contemporary art museum that had like a like a really rad collection. I just saw a documentary about the, um, the contemporary museum in Los Angeles. And basically, this woman was telling the whole story of how they got these like four or five collections that um, came like really early and just helped them to like immediately establish it as like this is an institution now like right like an official yeah we're this this is real now because we've got we've got this this incredible collection of like you know mid-century painting and all this other kind of stuff so how um, does that work like is it typically something where there's it's like is it do you start new or do you is it a conversion uh you know, like something like say the Frist here in Nashville, is it something where like all of a sudden they now make this choice uh-huh. and then they well, sort It would of, be for the Frist because the Frist is a weird place. Well, well the Frist- I guess I'm just saying, but is that yeah. the way these things mostly come about? I would say generally uh, up till, I mean, cause like the model of what a museum is now is like, it's kind oh, of yeah. radically changed yeah. in a short amount of time because it's, up till I was a kid, it was still kind of the public model of like, this is why we have fucking civilization and we pay for this shit yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah. I don't know sorry I'm stuck in the past yeah. well now we need I'm it. stuck in the past <laughs> but, uh, if, it's, if it's not an Instagram yeah. if it's not an Instagram playground then what is it right yeah exactly yeah. but anyway anyway so um, but but like so yeah but like places like that or places like even like here like Cheekwood which has recently done away with its name as a museum and done away with a lot of its collection is, uh, what, from what I understand that's how that place happened you know there it was a it was a a big old mansion house um and somebody with an art collection said hey you know this let's let's connect this stuff and it'll be a a museum and then you know from there cheekwood collected a lot of work you know but but a lot of times it does start with like a gift or something where now you know we're the stewards of the collection and uh, then from that yeah. we can start jockeying around to see what else we can get gifted or collect ourselves so basically right. kind of started the same way that like does that sound right amber what does that sound right <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> kind, of, kind of like gonna... baseball card trading <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah yeah i think some museums also i know who are kind of building their collections will do mm-hmm. like purchase awards so if they're 100 percent, you yeah. know like showing contemporary artists mm-hmm. or a group a group show or something like that they'll pick one or two pieces to add to their permanent collection right and they kind of grow their collection that way too so they can rotate out mm-hmm. and continue showing new work 100 mm. percent. and so and if they have especially if they want to be you know have any kind of contemporary stuff there's really right. no other way yeah exactly you know what I mean? um yeah i think i mean it since since uh cheekwood has rebranded itself as not an arts destination basically uh i that's a strategy it's it's rough because it's because it's like cheekwood was like a, a place in our region where you know anyone who was you know um, on the radar in the southeast could potentially have a show at a museum which is always great and could potentially also have their work collected by a museum which is also a big deal and it's like you know that's that that still carries a lot of value for an artist to be in a museum collection Mm. and it every time we lose another possible place to do that i mean it's just like yeah it's frustrating right yeah i didn't realize (laughs) that they had switched well, I mean, you know, they they might want to tell you a more nuanced story about it, right. but at the end of the day, they used to have the name museum in their name, and mm-hmm. now they don't. And okay. I've definitely heard that they divested a lot of their collection. Wow. So mm-hmm. you know, so it's they definitely have changed focus. They're kind of trying to be more of a. I think it's called like uh, Cheekwood uh, Manor and Gardens or something like that. Now okay. it's sort of more like historic home, even though it's not really historic. Right. Yeah. You know, but there is a provenance of like it's 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 the family, the Cheek family was like I see. they were like part of uh, Maxwell House, right? So that, mm-hmm. they have this they have a story connected to that, so they're doing what they got to do. So it's almost yeah. like they have beautiful gardens, beautiful they gardens. They do. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is lovely. So it's basically it like this idea that the, <laughs> the predi- predicating things on preservation and patronage, that's a lot of peas. Yeah. Um, but the notion of preservation and patronage are sort of dying mm-hmm. forms yeah. in the every place kind of 
way. Yes. <laughs> in the every so. place kind of I mean, way. Pretty of much everywhere it's yeah. disappearing. Well, but like I'm saying, like in, in the every place kind of way. <laughs> I, just meant like, I meant like, I guess in these like mid-sized cities and, and less. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you get to the really small towns, they're preserving yeah. like, you know, like here's the old Steam, right. steam car right yeah. And, yeah and thank god they saved it <laughs> but I feel like yeah, yeah not to beat up on Chupka too much or anything, but it is it just is a thing of like you know those institutions are still important for artists and as they disappear and they're not replaced by something else then you know it, it, what what's the thing what's the box you need to check now to get that sort of level of legitimacy which brings mm-hmm. opportunity which brings you know value and right. everything that we try that we would like to trade to be able to live <laughs> so it's 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 an odd uh yeah again and maybe it's just instagram maybe that's the thing that oh, does God. it yeah <laughs> well maybe it is also just about like what you're mixing worlds with right because i mean so i'd love to turn like a little bit also to the the notion notion of uh scientific method right mm-hmm. combined yeah. with the art process and and all of that which is your world um like is it almost necessary now to put everything through these different sort of prisms or lenses to try to have new ways of interacting with the stuff of art right yeah i found for me when i was going through the whole periscope program right and um which for those of you who don't know it's the artist mm-hmm. entrepreneurship training program hosted by the arts and business council of nashville mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great program. If you're an artist, you should consider applying. Um, and while I was going through that program and I was, you know, you're trying to think of art as a business and trying to collide those two worlds. And I'm like, well, what, you know, what am I doing? And once we started talking about the pitch and the pitch night um, where you're pitching your idea, you know, they kind of came to, you know, you have to really disseminate this in a way that how does the general public understand? So for me, I went back to just I wanted it to be something genuine that I was already doing mm-hmm. in my studio, you know, yeah. and it needed to be something that's been happening and yeah. it's happening. And I'd go back and read through like my old artist statements and mm-hmm. kind of old writings. And I always, in like every single statement, I had a sentence in there saying, you know, like a scientist in a lab, Amber is, <laughs> you know, like doing like, this. Oh my God, I'm and a it, scientist. You know, and it was there, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, so there it is. You know, so I kind of started with like scientist of color and form. And then I was like, well, really, it's like an artist. And mm. this is the way I think. And I, I naturally like do the six steps of the scientific method. I just wasn't consciously in my head being like, oh, I'm doing the six steps uh-huh. of the scientific as, as method. As opposed to the, um, what Hakeem Bey called the 12 steps of trendy renunciation. Oh, whoa. whoa. I don't not, think I've I, heard of that. I'm familiar with Mr. Bay, but I, I don't I just, remember that. I just I like to remember that I list. love trying to find any opportunity <laughs> to bring up ontological anarchy within, <laughs> unnecessarily into yeah. any context. Is that in the, is that in temporary autonomous zone? Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is actually, anyway. Okay. Carry on, so six, six steps of uh, scientific method. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, so, and I found, for me, you know, it's what I was already doing, It's and it's really, like, what a lot of artists do kind of naturally. You know, we research, we analyze, we experiment, and we consider these things in our context of what we're talking about, and we share our research, we share our work. And putting it in that context, you know, the six steps of the centering method is something that, like, everyone learns in school, you know, like, no matter what level of education you have. Mm. And it's also something that I've always loved science. Like I even considered going into biology over art in mm-hmm. college. And so it's really like a natural kind of just genuine fit for me. But what I've discovered is like by putting it in those contexts, I'm able to disseminate what someone consider like this high concept kind of art talk, you mm-hmm. know, into a way that everyone's like, oh, I totally understand what you're doing now, mm-hmm. you know? And so. And that was something that I just learned going through the program and research. Because my first pitch, we had like rough drafts and uh-huh. all that sort of stuff. My first pitch, they were like, whoa, way too high concept. No one is going to understand what you're saying. Can you, you know, can and I was, you explain to us what, what it was? Yeah, it was essentially you, you, the same thing. Are you asking to where it went wrong in the beginning? Yeah. It's interesting that you, I mean, you said something very important a minute ago where you said, you know, you, you, you didn't want to sort of find a way to fit your art into a business plan. You wanted to find a business plan that was organically yeah. there in your art to begin with. Absolutely. So that you can make your fucking art, but yeah. also make it work as a business. Yes. Right? So I feel like that's, that's a, I mean, that's like an important thing for people to understand that artists, you know, they're constantly struggling to keep that balance in yeah. check. And I think that, you know, that that 
creating that message is where that conflict can start to happen. So I want to hear like, how did you start before you got to the scientific before uh, you I know, got pitch? There. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, it really started with um, those statements and then mm-hmm. seeing like artists in a lab and we had like small group discussions. So I was discussing with peers mm-hmm. um, and I would always bring up science and I'd always uh-huh. bring up that science. And they were really the ones who kind of were like, Oh, hey, you know, Mm -hmm. and we had to do a minute pitch. So I feel like in a minute, you know, you're really disseminating like what is at the core of this and what came out of that minute was, you know, oh, maybe like a scientist of color and form. And then Uh, I went into that and I was like, there was too high concept. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, I am an artist and and this is what I do. Yeah. (laughs) So I talked about essentially all the same things you know i talked about like research and what i'm researching at the time which is like social inclusion theoretical common ground and historical accountability which are big abstract sort of concepts (laughs) you know i get that so you know that that was already like whoa you gotta like explain that you (laughs) know in a way like people yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, really (laughs) so so I talked about that. I talked about <laughs> I like it. how art is a language. You know, uh-huh. it's a visual language. It communicates like uh-huh. through color and material and composition. And that was also like, what's that? And you know, <laughs> so, like you know, there were like a lot of things that. Um, and I'm kind of like wordy, anyways. So you know, there were a lot of things that in my first pitch, you know, where I went through all these things. It was like we get it because like we know you and we've been listening to you for mm-hmm. like three months or you know eight weeks or whatever. But you know, they were like other people. You're talking to like the general public here, you know. Mm. So how can you just like disseminate, disseminate, mm. disseminate, break this down? Um, and that's where I really landed at the mm-hmm. six steps. Because in the first pitch, I said mention like, oh, I do the six steps, but I didn't go into what they were no. or how that relates to walk what us, I'm doing. Walk us through them real quick. I mean, like, just we don't have to get like yeah. crazy about it, but like, like, we need to no. remind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Step the one, other denial. six steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. <laughs> this is not art. This is one. If you, yeah, you I do. Yeah, uh, what, like, I have uh, nothing have to, to say. I have to believe in the po- higher power. <laughs> I have to surrender to a higher power. Yes. Oh no, no, wait. That's another. <laughs> that's another step. That's another step. Yeah. No, so what, we if, like our if, steps, if, though. If we wanted to do a scientific experiment right, right now, how do you do that? Like, there's a way, and it's there a simple a form. It's a yes. real thing. It is. The scientific method, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Step one. <laughs> so, step one is question. So, you have to ask a question. For me, what I'm asking is I'm just questioning our social, mental, and historical culture as a whole. Um, step two is research. So, that can look different for really each individual, however you research. And then I went, for me, I'm researching, you know, social inclusion, which I think that one's pretty self-explanatory, you know, like relationships, how we all relate to one another, historical accountability, also, you know, a little bit abstract concept I'm talking about in both like personal historical accountability, like reconciling with your past and where you come from and your Mm. history and your families, but also just as a society, Mm. you know, being aware and also like holding to account all our history and how that's affecting us now currently in like our current political system Mm. um and then so that's historical accountability and then the other one is theoretical common ground which i think we are all you know i think it's kind of comes from that whole idea of you know you might think something totally different than me and i might think something totally different than you but there is going to be a common ground there that we can find that we'll think similar on you know Mm. even if we're coming from maybe (laughs) right you know but we all experience certain feelings or emotions or things Mm. in our life that we'll be able to relate to one another i like it so it's really so sometimes I think artists stumble on this accidentally where they, but the things that translate are things that somehow have, they have some native universality about them or some empirical quality and they can kind of just intuit all of, all of that. But that's sort of in a way like a formulaic reverse engineering mm-hmm. of that to sort of get to the, the essence of something that is of purpose and relatability and uh, some, does that make sense? Joe, you're giving you give me this look like once every yeah. podcast. No, I like it. I like it. No, I'm just listening. I'm deeply listening. No, I don't. <laughs> deep in. listening. Uh, you know, you don't want to start I, doing I do, to you like on the that. podcast because nobody's gonna be able to see. I'm gonna start doing the thing where you just you talk to somebody, but you just look you're off just, axis yeah. a little bit. Amber, <laughs> <It's just, terrible>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but anyway, but, but it is like a, a, not to be diminishing to say formulaic, like oh well, yeah. you're just. Yeah. But it's uh, it is a system. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. yeah. I th- I think so. I think it's it's both like a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's and but I think they're broad enough still to where you know various 
mediums mm-hmm. and materials you know I, they kind of can fit into these kind of broad mm-hmm. categories mm-hmm. um but for me that's just those also came from just genuinely looking at my work and being like what am i actually working on right mm-hmm. now you know and like what are a lot of these recent bodies of work that are coming up about mm-hmm. and it happened to be about those three things so they really kind of just fit in you know mm-hmm. with what i'm doing and i was like yeah this is what i'm researching this is what i'm looking at uh-huh and so that's step two. Mm-hmm. Step three is hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And so for my hypothesis as an artist, I think a lot of artists, you know, it's just that material, color, and composition can communicate emotion and idea through mm-hmm. artwork. So it's kind of just the breakdown of art, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's step three. And then step four is experiment, which for me is cre- the creation of the artwork. Uh-huh. And then... Um, so you're asking yourself a question. You're conceiving of an answer to that question then you try to execute that answer well so one thing about my work is it's not really about answering anything i'm really just like researching it and putting it out there so i'm researching these ideas yeah Yeah. and i'm also like researching through the materials and Uh so because i work in printmaking um marquetry and sculpture Mm -hmm. so i'm multidisciplinary Mm -hmm. um so for me what as part of the experimentation and part of the researching i'm researching like oh how can like for marquetry for example i have a series about marquetry and drawing and its relationship like Uh correlation to social relationships Mm -hmm. and marquetry Um, is like uh inlaid wood design does that sound right it's very close so so inlay is like where you're you know having the wood and you're physically inlaying it into another piece of wood Uh A marquetry is you're doing all veneer work and you're just gluing it onto the wood. Oh, okay. If that cool. makes sense. They're yeah. very like and close. It's, and marquetry but. is like a technique that you see a lot in like decorative arts, like furniture decorations. Yes. Stuff. But mm-hmm. you're sort of like recontextualizing it into a fine art practice, which yep. I think is one of the cool things that you do. I mean, this whole thing is like so cool. This is very much like on brand for the Art Fight podcast because like we're always oh. talking to people who are multidisciplinary and all this other stuff but like this is one of the things I think is really really rad about this thing is you're so focused on process but at the end of that all you also have this diversity of like expressions you know what I mean yeah. and I think it's 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 really I, I it's it's big and cool <laughs> you know? I think there's also, a lot going on and I really I, yeah. appreciate that I think also it probably, it probably yields a lot of productivity because I think that the number one challenge I think a lot of people have is that when you just have no constructs no rules no no trajectory and you're just like trying to just feel stuff yeah. out man um, if you don't have any confines or limitations mm-hmm. or constraints or anything, then you are just kind of unmoored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it might work for you in some ways, but in a lot of ways, it might take you a lot longer yeah. to arrive at just sort <laughs> yeah, of... Yeah, just, just getting it done. something blown yeah. by yeah. the wind. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of, yeah, like sort yeah. of um, systems and constraints, but it takes a certain, I think, amount of um, like maturity on your part or something to, uh, a particular wisdom to, to not... Um, see that and not have it be by design something that is actually limiting it's, it's actually creating a framework to then really open a lot of things yeah up. yeah absolutely and especially being multidisciplinary it works both practically you know like you say and like a bronze sculpture might take me six months or three months but if i'm getting tired of that i can go crank out a print and get this idea out of my head in like two weeks you know so it's kind of like allowing me that flexibility as an artist Uh but the other thing is i'm just huge on materials and their languages like i geek out on that and i geek out (laughs) on traditional processes like marquetry um, or bronze casting you know these are like historical things that have gone Mm. on forever and so i love taking those processes knowing them and using that history as a language, like as part of what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. bronze is like monumental. It has a whole history of monuments and statues and structures. Um, and also like repurposing. Like I like to think about how this bronze statue that I'm making now might have been made out of the bronze statue of someone else like a hundred years ago that is now melted down and is mine now, you know, like new sculpture and stuff like that. And then also with marquetry, it is found in, you know, furniture traditionally, uh-huh. but it's kind of like a dying technique, you know, not too many people really do that anymore so i like taking that recontextualizing it and making like fine art out of it um and it speaks to that too because veneer i like to think of it as paper sort of you know it's very mm. like you can draw with marquetry mm-hmm. sort of in a way so it's kind of thinking about all these different things and for me yeah it gives me some rules because if not i'll just be like oh i'm doing that and i'm doing this and I'm doing that. <laughs> but like it allows me to it really opens up the possibility because you kind of have to think about it in a new way and really research like the medium that you're using. 
it also has a precept that's nice it seems where it's it's sort of like there is no failure or success anymore in those kind of polarities it's sort of like i just iterated something through these assumptions Mm -hmm. and then here's what it is and Mm -hmm. so cool like all right Mm -hmm. that's what it was yeah yeah and for me a lot of like the you know i just consider the work (laughs) successful if it can make the person think so if you know if you're looking at it and it makes you think something then it was successful you know if it makes you ask a question like a single question then it was successful mm-hmm. um so it's really about that it's just really about like challenging you and you could either be asking questions about like what is that you know for marketry or like uh-huh. you know what's going on here or even why just, am i so full of rage just yeah, looking at this. <laughs> yeah you know like what am i feeling why am i feeling this way you know like that's a success <laughs> i think so that's really the goal yeah. of the artwork is to just spark one conversations about the work and mm-hmm. kind of these topics but also to evoke feelings when you're with them um Mm -hmm. they also they take time to make they're pretty like labor intensive but then i really feel like a lot of the work you have to spend time with it you know it like is kind of one of those things that you're not going to be able to walk by it and just get it you know if you really you're going to miss out but that's kind of okay like if you don't want to spend the time then that's okay like you just miss out you know Mm -hmm. but if you're willing to to spend the time then kind of give something back to you and so i like the work challenging the audience to pay attention especially in today's culture where you know we see art more online than we do in galleries Mm -hmm. and we just don't even in galleries you're not really spending but like three seconds and you're moving on to the next piece yeah to me that's like the the thing about the whole i mean to me like the like your phone is your phone that you might also be watching a movie on but then the equivalent is a great poem (laughs) a phone is your phone (laughs) that you might be watching but like i feel like you know you you can uh, you can look at uh, Instagram photos of art. You can watch yeah. Netflix on a, an app on your phone, or you could go to a movie theater, and the the scale and everything about that environment completely changes yeah, the absolutely. experience. And in a good gallery or a good museum setting with a with a well curated show that's been designed well and everything, it's like that whole experience of being able to just stand in front of some work. It's like that's yep. what's that's really what it's about. Because at the end of the day, too, I mean. I see it all the time where people will send me their images and every single time if something looks cool when I see it in real life it's it's always yeah. better it's yeah, always absolutely. better you know so it's like it's and it was something like painting or something like that or you know something I'm sure the when you're doing the marketry there's probably a certain yeah, amount of texture really and grain and stuff it's really hard to get that in photograph right yeah. exactly so I just feel like you know it's it's such a it's such a privilege to be able to actually experience work up close and personal like that. What kind of, what kind of music? Do you, <laughs> what kind of music do you fuck with? Uh, that's a good question. I'm kind of one of those people who's all over the place. I'm just wondering if music is like a thing for you. It's not that much of a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. And what about emotions? Emotions. <laughs> emotions have you ever are, felt are anything? Definitely also, a thing. No emotions. Yes. Have you ever felt anything? <laughs> <laughs> no emotions is part of the rules. It's, no, like, it's, like, it's like Seinfeld when he's crying. It's like, what is this salty discharge <laughs> coming from my eyes? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, emotions are definitely a do, real thing. Do you listen to anything when you're working? I do you cry a lot? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I listen, I, I take myself I crying and I listen to it, it when I yes. work. <laughs> no, you know, it's actually kind of funny because in college, I don't, do you notice it now much being at Fort Houston but I you know most people listen to music or whatever while they're working I just get so just in focus and what I'm doing that I don't even realize that it's quiet and then uh, a lot of times people come in and they're always just comment on that like why is it so quiet in here how do you work like this and for me I and just you're into and I, yeah like, I'm just like <laughs> no, I just had no what? idea that it was even quiet yeah so I just really I work in silence a lot um, it doesn't feel silent to me but you know like it's silence you're like listen buddy when you're yeah. bathing in a, in a waterfall of inner turmoil yeah. I, I don't need that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So, so tell me about your space at Fort Houston. I didn't even know you were there. I'm glad yeah. you're there. I think yeah. Fort Houston's a, a really cool uh, space in our city. It's a it's a gallery. It's an event place. They have music there yeah. and stuff. They also um, are a workspace 
where yes. do you have a do you have your own uh, like room there or do you have the one of the tables there? What's your setup? There? Right. So I have um, half of a workbench. Okay. That is my yeah, setup. Yeah, yeah. And they're, um, they're big workbench's. That's you've got yeah, a decent space to work. Yeah. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like four by eight tables. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, people are picturing like a little stool. I know. You know, yeah. Like a, <laughs> no. Yeah. These are like actual workbenches. <laughs> I work. Quiet, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have about like a four. I run about half of it, so I have a four right. by four space. But yeah. I it like erected this giant wall next to my table, mm-hmm. so I kind of doubled right. my real estate there. Yeah. Um. And Do you so suddenly I, keep moving and like expanding. Yeah. yeah I know. Hoping people yeah. Don't notice. But you well, essentially no have kind of like the, the, the basically like a like a work like a cubicle almost. Right? Almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. with like no walls. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like a cubicle <laughs> around everyone else. Yeah. And just there on the main floor. Uh huh. One of the things that's good about that, I would think, you tell me what you think about this, but I, I used to feel like this would be, there was, there's an art space in town that I used to think, well, it's cool, it's a good resource for people, but because of the fact that it's like open, I was like, that's not really satisfying what I would want out of having a space. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know where my mind changed, but at some point I realized, no, man, it might be really good to be in a space where everybody's just working amongst each other and there can be all sorts of feedback, there can be all sorts yeah. of input, and also too, just the fact of like, part of it's that I do tons of writing, which is also a quiet, lonely business. Right. And it's like, I, I think one of the values of those workspaces is that all these people who might otherwise be off in some dark corner somewhere just trying to put their yeah. souls into their bronze <laughs> sculpture, exist, yeah. you know, it's like, they're better off together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, keep them together, yeah. lots of sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of science, right? Like, I would want, I would want, what is that principle, the science thing about like sort of anything that's observed is natively changed? What is that scientific principle? Oh, the, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like it's, a, it's like, yeah. like a quantum physics, right? Like as soon as you make an observation, you've affected it, right? Yes. Yeah. I so can't I guess remember. I, I guess I just wonder about. It's not the uncertainty principle. That's that's that has to do I'm with uncertain. speed and and location <laughs> cannot be determined together. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just sort. Of, it's basically just like the pedestrian, uh, I guess, interpretation would be like, if you're just looking at it or you're just doing whatever, mm. it's already it, it's just it's changed by merely the observation. I yeah. don't know, like just in some uh-huh. vibration way or something. Yeah, some which amounts to a kinetic difference on some level, perhaps over time or yeah. depending on the circumstances but anyway I guess I was just curious about like working in that environment yeah. sounds like hell to me <laughs> like, I, I would I would hate that so much because like when you like when you were saying like oh and you know like incidental sort of like opinions and yeah. feedback like how about <laughs> Well, like yeah. I don't care yeah. what you, well, like, you know. Yeah. But what about that? I mean, how is there? What's the culture like there? I mean, do people? How does it work? Yeah. So the culture is great. Yeah. Um, the culture is also very much like you, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So mm-hmm. if you just want to be left alone, like uh-huh. people will leave you alone. You know. Uh-huh. But if you invite people into your work, if you invite people to have conversations, uh-huh. they will gladly do that with you. Uh-huh. And so um, for me, I've been there since November. So mm-hmm. by now, I've kind of built some great friendships. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So it's really great i really enjoy it the biggest benefit for houston aside from the space and the great facilities is really the community i mean that's really like what they're selling you as an Mm -hmm. artist Um, Mm -hmm. and before being at fort houston i tried to have like a space just in my garage you know and i just wasn't very productive i really Uh needed somewhere to just go and get out of my house yeah yeah. it's like a personality type thing yeah i think in a way it could be, you yeah. know, but I'm like a big introvert. So for me, it was really intimidating. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I know. Have you not noticed? Yeah. No, I'm like a huge introvert. I really have not noticed that. Really? No, yeah. I'm like a major introvert. So it was is intimidating for me to go into that space uh, and to make work in public and but feel it was like good for you you felt oh like man it yeah it, it really ended up like being has, great oh back to the observation thing do, like, do you think that natively because of that like the the work is different because it's in a weird way you're kind of uh, I see it and maybe I'm just weird I'm really hyper conscious of this stuff mm-hmm. but I, I would feel like I'm in a semi performative state at all time because there's people around monitoring in some way loosely or otherwise of like what I'm doing uh-huh. 
And so, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know that like I'm, I'm a strange sort of control no, yeah. for this uh, experiment. I am too. I mean, there are some parts of the process where like if I just feel like I want to work on this and I don't want anyone around, I'll just work at night, you know, uh-huh. or we're like work oh, in the okay. evening when mm. no one's oh, really okay. around, so you, you know. So you kind of find quiet time yeah, to be there. Yeah, there's definitely times where you, you know there's to be like there pretty every, dead. Do you, can you be there 24 hours? Yep. Oh, yeah, see, that's right. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's great, you know. So and there's certain like three days. In the morning, you're like, God. <laughs> yeah. Charlie's still here. He's still oh, here. Yeah. I have to go home Hi, now. Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's have another conversation no. about art history. <laughs> Let me ask you about something. I, I know that they have, um, in in addition to the gallery space and these workspaces you're talking yeah. about, they have a wood shop there. They do. But what about for you with the sculptures and stuff you're doing? Is there anything? Do they have special tools there that you get so, to utilize in your practice? They do. Yeah. I mean. I use the wood shop a lot for the marquetry. Oh, yeah, that um, makes and sense. then that makes sense. for the metal shop, I can work on like chasing the bronze there. Mm-hmm. And they what, don't have a foundry. So chasing the bronze That's, is. It's, uh, you're, are you an yeah. Olympian? No. <laughs> you should really chase after, the gold, I'm Amber. After if you chase the gold, you might get the bronze. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you chase the bronze. Place. I don't know if you'll make the team. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Strive for mediocrity. That's what I'm going for here. No, I love it. Chasing the bronze. Yeah, this so is a great chasing phrase. the bronze, um, <laughs> it's essentially, chasing is the process of like cleaning up the bronze. It's kind of like re-sculpting in bronze. Oh, okay. um, so as part of the like lost wax casting process, um, you get what's called flashing, which is like, I don't know, like little spikes or little like balls of extra bronze that was a bubble. After or you've like, poured bronze yeah, into the, the mold, mold that you've created. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you just end up with all these little like kind of imperfections or extra right. spots of bronze that you didn't want or, you know, whatever. So it's like re-sculpting in metal, uh-huh. if that makes sense. So And it's also like resurfacing. So you're either like polishing it or sandblasting it or any of these these are all part of the process oh, of chasing but that's a lot of that's a lot of intense things that you have yes. the tools to do there that right. you just probably could never pull off in a garage yeah i mean you could, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's hard you know you really need like the you know pneumatic so you need a good air compressor uh-huh. um and do the you, metal table where do you where now when you pour these bronzes do you do that at like western kentucky or where do you no, go so, to do yeah, that i am really fortunate i know they have like a forge up there but like, they do wh- yeah where else so do they have mtsu has one. Oh, okay um, and since right. i'm a graduate i like i'm very fortunate to still be friends with michael and you know i'll yeah, go there and i'll great. just kind of tag along with their pores oh uh, okay so i'll bring cool. my own bronze and bring the mold and bring my own wax and all that yeah. but um but they'll I'll, they'll let you use the yeah the yeah pour. i'll just I mean, be yeah. part of their pour and is we'll your just car really cool. messy mine in the, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it probably is messy when all the stuff is in it yeah, i'm lugging stuff all around <laughs> so did you did you start actually making bronze stuff when, when you were at mtsu i was yeah oh, okay mm-hmm. cool so this yeah, is like your Started. I I like this too. I mean, I really dig it when artists you know, like try lots of different stuff. I mean, that's also you know valid and and commendable. But I also kind of find it interesting that you sort of you know in, in you know just from what I know of what you were doing back then when I met you to what I see you doing now. I can I really see like you're you sort of yeah. knew where you were going and you're still kind of going. You're still yeah. on the same like trajectory, you know. But yeah. I can still see everything you've come through and what you're doing now yeah you know when i left mtcu i really tried to like get like break up with the bronze you know it's kind of like all right me and you like we're not gonna have a relationship it was just anymore. a college thing you know <laughs> yeah like you know like and right like you're graduating thinking about uh, trying to do bronze sculpture outside of yeah. the facilities and everything you know is this possible um you know do i even have the money for this mm-hmm. you know all sorts of things like that and i just always try to get away with it or get away from it and it just always comes back you know mm-hmm. it's always it's just one of those things that what i'm thinking about or what i'm doing i'm like oh i want to do this in bronze oh i want to do this <laughs> in bronze. and what so you, you know yeah. yeah it's just it's there and yeah. it'll be there for as long as it's still valid to what i'm working on yeah that's so. really cool yeah i also had the like a hiatus kind of between um college and then where i'm at now with fine art so i went into production right after college full time Mm -hmm. so i like graduated in december and went into like full-time sculpture production work um in february what are you talking about what does that mean so i yeah so so i went and worked for this company um jonathan martin creative Uh um and i worked on like museums theme parks movie sets uh-huh. And like kind of really like themed environments. So all encompassing 
just sculpture. all sorts of sculpture gigs that the their clients needed yeah. done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow, so we interesting. We did the um, National Bible Museum in Washington D.C., like four blocks from the, the Capitol. Tell me what it was. The what? It's the National Bible Museum. Oh, the National Bible Museum. Yeah, okay. so it opened up four blocks from the Capitol, and that was like a two-year project. Uh-huh. They were doing it long before I got on board. And this for company me, is it was based two years. here in Nashville. It's out in College Grove, okay, Tennessee. So it's kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. But uh-huh. um, is it pretty though? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Lots of farms. And, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's great. And so I did that, and that like was really thrown into like a whole different type of art making. You uh-huh. know, I came from like academic, fine art. Yeah, you know this whole thing to like full time production. Mm-hmm. You're sculpting eight hours a day, Monday through Friday. Wow. Like, and you're churning out stuff, and you're getting like literally a doodle, and you're like, okay, make this in. Mm-hmm this material that you've never used before and by the way you have three days and by the yep. way this is going to cost like us thirty thousand dollars so make it pretty <laughs> and, you're like, and you're like oh okay great so i'll do you, that you so, should wow. I, I, yeah. gosh i just realized this too like you really should uh you would really you're you're my sister does a lot of this my, oh, my nice. younger sister and she's doing all that right now in new york she went to parsons product design you know and, mm-hmm. and all the art things and all that and then uh, she's doing a lot of that exact yeah. kind of stuff, you know, and it's like uh, it just every day I see the stuff that she's making, you know, that she, you know, will just sort of make stories about online or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, like the latest thing that she was doing, and I don't even have any sense of why or what the context was, <laughs> but you just see these things, but it was kind of like a, these plastic molded cases they need re- needed replicated in wood so imagine like an instrument case right that has like yeah. the rounded yeah and it's got weird kind of contours and sure. bubbly forms yeah. and things right a texture <laughs> and, and these things were like so th- but then she had to make something that was like it was like a computer type of prop type of thing but they actually had to do the electrical wiring for it and then all the imperfect angles had to be exactly imperfect Mm -hmm. and you know all this and there's all these terms that you know woodworking terms that she knows that i have no idea what the hell she's talking about at this point (laughs) um but just the the incredible amount of detail and the budgets that go into this stuff and the expectations and all of that i think one of the latest things that she was telling about is something to do with um what's this uh morgan spurlock Mm-hmm. needed some thing for one of his documentaries that he's doing or something yes. <laughs> I was like I was like Maggie you know he got me too right she's like no <laughs> he got me too oh I, I didn't know about that yeah he got me too well okay that sounds bad to say he got me too he kind of me too himself yeah I suppose is a better way to put it he was caught up in the me too movement yeah um, or I think he actually first got caught up in the me myself and I movement <laughs> and that's then how it starts it, that is, then it, then it went I think yeah. that was the gateway drug to the it's, to not, the, it's not all about me <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah so uh, it was really funny because I was like yeah um, and I centered the link because he got in big trouble because he wrote this big apology online it was one of those uh, things where like whenever well. anybody does that it's just like just like have your life fall apart at the seams but don't say anything back because then it's just going to amplify yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the problem and make everything worse but anyway um, oh and side note if you're um, you know woke or whatever um, you should totally check out um or not check out um, Chappelle's new special like we kind of talked about a little bit last week and then Bill mm-hmm. Burr's new special. I didn't see that one. Oh my goodness. It makes me say I'm, I'm an old curmudgeon at this point. <laughs> so like it's just nice. He's to, an old curmudgeon. So it's nice to feel like I still got like people out there that are like, what the, you know. <laughs> like, is this really what we're worried about right now? You know, this kind of stuff. Uh, but anyway, um, it's very, very good. Do you like comedy, music, anything else, books? Yeah. Cooking? I, I love books. Um, I love eating. And mm, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I like comedy. Mm-hmm. I, we, my boyfriend lives in Ohio, and so we go to the Funny Bone. Oh. It's like a big comedy club out there, and we oh, go cool. there pretty regularly. Who have you seen there? Um, gosh, I'm bad with names. So we saw the guy from America's Got Talent who has the stutter. Is that the name he books himself? So bad. No, I know. That probably sounds awful. I know. I'm horrible with names, guys. And then, um, gosh, was he funny? He was hilarious. Okay, cool. Yeah, and and then his name is. I think it was Chris Rock's brother. Um, His younger brother. Interesting. Something Rock. Little Rock. I, love, I don't know. I love, but uh, he was hilarious. He was really, uh, really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like. Uh, I like. Uh, I really. I love Chris Rock. I was. I think I just. I mentioned that on the. the we I, for some reason we keep talking about comedy, but I just. He's got a famous uh, show called. Um, 
uh, bring the bring the pain, and uh, it was like it's kind of considered like groundbreaking concert performance for huh. its era, you know, kind of thing. And I saw this documentary about it recently, and it just reminded me how fucking hilarious that guy is, man. He's so funny. I like his bit about gun control back in the day, like in the nineties. He, <laughs> he was like, "I know how to solve this problem with all this gun violence." He's like, "All you got to do is make." Every bullet costs five thousand dollars. <laughs> that might have been. That, that might have been in the special. I don't he remember. Was like, because like, then when you got a problem with somebody, you're like, listen, I'm gonna save. I'm gonna get a second job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna save yeah. up. And if you really wanted that, yeah, man, you just wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna save up. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm saving up for you. <laughs> that is oh, funny. What about well? So do you, uh, all right. So what about um, what about movies? You like what? What's the best movie you've seen recently? Or what do you oh, hate? Gosh. Or what do you hate? Yeah. Do what I makes hate? you angry? Oh, I don't <laughs> why know. Do you have so many, why do you have so many enemies? <laughs> I don't have any enemies. Okay, I just, well, those I know of. I, right. Right. You know, who knows? But <laughs> um, gosh, yeah, I love movies. I kind of just watch whatever. I think one of the really good movies I saw recently was at the Bell Court, the last Black Man Standing in San Francisco. I didn't see that. Was it really good? It was really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was just beautiful. It was like a... Yeah, it's just a gorgeous. Film. It looked like the trailer had like great like cinematography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the whole the, movie was and like, like San Francisco's got so much to look right, at. It's right, it's beautiful. Anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah. We are, is there anything you want to know about Joe? I don't know. I'm an open book. I feel like that we. All, I feel like we all we talk about you know like uh, people that are guests we spend some or whatever. Time talking yeah. to our guests, and yeah. we don't know. We just don't yeah. talk what to would Joe. You like to what, share, what, Joe? Tonight? what are you afraid of? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is, what, my answers aren't very interesting. What is your, I know, like, what is your favorite Pop Tart? Uh, I don't I haven't had one in a while. But you know, if I was gonna have one, if I was gonna have a Pop Tart, which yes. I'm not like a Pop Tart right, okay, guy, you, disclaimer. But I would have I would have a frosted Pop Tart with like the little uh, the little can like what do you call them like little sprinkles little sprinkles. I would have had sprinkles yeah. and frosted, and mm-hmm. then yeah, it's strawberry. That sounds good. Okay. Or like, is there a raspberry? I think I'd even like that better. This is just my, <laughs> this is just my way of trying to figure out ahead of time what to get you for Christmas. Yeah, I'll yeah. take frosted, sprinkled. Strawberry. Pops. Actually, strawberry. I see that. That's really funny. Like my, my in-laws, they will, for whatever reason, in our stockings or whatever you want to call it, like You'll have some Pop-Tarts. They give us a Pop-Tart. <laughs> and my wife gets so pissed because I just... I destroy those things. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great, aren't they? I haven't I, had one in a long time, but I want one now. Like, yeah, like as soon as if, if there's all of a sudden a box there, and I haven't had you know them in a year, right? I'm 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 not in any risk of like this yeah, is not going to become a pattern. Yeah, but she gets mad because I eat them all. I just um I just yeah, if she does the bullshit though where you eat like one of the two uh-huh. and then, or she'll eat like half of the one and then there's like a one uh-huh. and a half. Yeah, in no, 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 Yeah, you eat it or don't in, eat it. Yeah, just throw it down. <laughs> eat or don't eat. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, uh, I just recently did uh, an interview with a previous guest of ours Nuveen Barwani who has a or Barwari who's got a show with her friend Bazar well they, they, they just did a show for about a month in, in Chattanooga and they're both Kurdish Americans and um, the whole show is sort of about being a third culture kid right um, which is like somebody you're growing up in a culture that's not the culture you have at home and so you end yeah. up in this weird between world where you and your friends all understand a straight secret language that no one else can um, uh, but anyway it was one of the funniest things in that interview is she talked about the fact that when she moved back to Kurdistan for a time when she was a teenager her her request from anybody who came visiting from America was bring flaming hot uh, Cheetos, Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like that was the thing of like the thing that she missed you know it could yeah. have been it could have been frosted pop tarts but it was yeah. flaming hot, hot Cheetos, Cheetos. <laughs> I think they started the flaming hot uh, movement because uh, now everything has a flame flaming hot, hot version yeah, of it that's yeah. true like, I think it was started hot Doritos. I remember it being in Cheetos but let me first. tell you something though let me tell you something though Cheetos was first yeah Cheetos was first. <laughs> whoever, like, whoever did hashtag Cheetos was first whoever did Cheetos marketing I mean because seriously the Cheetos as a uh, a standard were dead nobody wanted Cheetos you go to a party there'd be a bowl of Cheetos and then all the potato chips are gone right 
like people mm. just did not want it like cheetos just kind of felt like eating children's fingers after a while like mm. it was just weird mm. just crunchy weird mm. i don't know they just look weird but, but they made them they made them and they just they were real soft you know they were in terms of just like they didn't have any edge and then all of a sudden they do the flaming hot they stain your hands yeah it's this whole thing <laughs> yeah and they brought back like they made the cheetah guy yeah, like way like, way more like streetwise yeah, aggro yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he wasn't like hey have a cheeto he yeah. was just like hey maybe you want a cheeto have you done anything like in the realm of sort of like product design type of things in any of your maybe your school paths or like in any of your work at all or do you have any reflections of say commerciality or consumption in In any of my work yeah Uh, or you just bronzed out yeah no i mean maybe the prints but even then they're more figurative so yeah mm. i don't think i really have anything no pop related culture, to no consumerism mm, yeah. and the pop culture <laughs> yeah ties in because i in a way um with like my latest bronze series mm-hmm. because they came from like old um toy molds so it was kind of like the pop culture oh, toys of yeah. the like 60s 40s and cool. 30s and so I was like going through all these old discarded molds, you know, old factory Where did you molds. Find um, Michael actually had them at MTSU. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so he just showed Michael up. Michael Baggerly. Michael Baggerly, yes, mm-hmm. has the toy Fine molds. Fine sculptor in his own right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so he had all these, is generous enough to let us kind of go through them. Cool. Um, and in that, I was like, picking different parts of toys like oh this doll head is cool and this skirt is neat and this bird and this dish and you know just whatever and like casting all these things in wax and then i collage them together to kind of make like contemporary like i like a contemporary commentary on our pop culture today using these like old discarded toys of the past so i guess i would say that that would probably be the one that's the most Related to pop culture. Yeah, we call this work. postmodern Amber. Yeah, this is a postmodern project Amber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. My favorite, my favorite postmodernism joke is uh, from The Simpsons. Joe, what is your favorite postmodernism yeah. joke? So it's The Simpsons, and it's when Mo like up, updates his bar, right? And like all these new people come to the cool new bar, but then so do like Homer and his buddies. Yeah. And he's got this crazy like like eyeball sculpture on the wall that I think is like blinking and all this stuff. And then, and he's like, Hey, what's up with this Mo? And he's like, he's like, um, it's Pomo. And then they're like, what? And he's like, postmodern. And then they're like, huh? And he's like, weird for the sake of weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. No, I, I, do, I, I do like that combination of like taking these old toys and like recasting them as like yeah. ancient sculpture, you know, I mean, not ancient necessarily, but you know, old, uh, old. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like doing them in the bronze suit makes them like monumental because now they're mm. permanent. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's this like trash toys that are probably in some landfill somewhere. That's, that's, you know that are now like these permanent kind of monumental mm-hmm. um, like new toys mm-hmm. I guess so. yeah I dig it so there's yeah. something about the notion of permanence and impermanence that you're dealing with yeah. in these materials because so um, let's see I'm trying to just do some fake psychoanalysis just for fun <laughs> right um, you know we're oh all no, sitting here yeah, dying here don't you yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, you have a reasonably human fear of death <laughs> is that it yeah, but don't we all? Um, yeah. No. <laughs> no. I'm not, I don't think I'm very. I'm not really afraid of death. Yeah. I've never been afraid of how. Mm. Yeah, I guess maybe that could be something. Yeah. I'd always rather die in well, my sleep. Well, on this high note, um, <laughs> listen. Uh, <laughs> That'll be the name of this episode, Die in My Sleep, The Art of Amber Lynn. The Art of <laughs> No. Well, you've, got a, you've got a lot of amazing I'm things I'm saying your last name, right? So. Lely? Is that right? Lely. Lely. Okay, yeah. I thought so. I was just making sure. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hey, um, Amber, how you doing? Good. Hey, what are you up to right now? Sitting <laughs> with you guys. Sweet. Hey, will you do me a favor and everybody listening, uh, just a giant favor, and tell them where they can find you and all your jams? Yeah, so you can find me um, on Instagram at Amber Lily Art. Um, and you can also find me at my website, www.amberlilyart.com. Okay, and you want to spell the URL? Um, the, yeah, it'd be a m b e r l e l l i art dot com. All right, and we'll we'll link it in the description. Yeah. Um, 
So, and then Joe, do you have anything that you want to um, plug or talk about? Um, no, that that uh, interview I mentioned is on is at burnaway.org. I think it just says Third Culture Kids. You'll find it there. It's funny. They're really talented artists. And I also just this week just started a new online column. Uh, with the Nashville scene called Critic Ally, Critic slash Ally, and I did a I did a um, small review of Sophia Gordon Stevens' new oh, yeah. uh, video show. Sophia was a, a guest just yeah, a few weeks ago. Oh uh, yeah, she was a really really interesting guest. We talked about this rad project she was doing, and I review that project at uh, NashvilleScene.com this week. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so the whole project was a massive success for her. Oh, it's yeah. so rad. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. So here's the thing. There, we, you'll get a rub from being on the podcast. Like, all of a sudden, everything's just going to go remarkably. <laughs> I hope you're ready for fame. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I hope you're ready to be They're famous. They're going to blow up. Uh, and the only things I have going on is, well, uh, I, just, I, I, do, uh, I am putting together my first uh, record in five years. This will be my 15th record that oh, I've wow. put out in my life. And uh, I'm... It's all about the new decade and the new the new times. So uh, I'm going to release it on January 1st, 2020, oh, right. which is when nobody should release a record. So that's what I'm going to do. And Brian does all this music you hear on the show. So if you're into this, mm. if you're into these ambient yeah. grooves, you're going <laughs> to love can't buy Brian's these new release. They've got can, you tell us the name, can you tell us the name of the new release? Uh, it, it's called New Decade. Oh, I like it. Um, and then... Um, Oh, uh, I'm gonna my video art piece that I did with the Metro Archives. Uh, you know, I'm the artist in residence for the Metro Archives for 2019. Uh, I just got an invitation. I'm gonna be going to Vanderbilt and screening it at Vanderbilt with, uh, I guess, some uh, video, film, and digital imaging. Is this like a John? Is a John something? Is what? Did yeah. John contact you about that? Uh, or uh, Vesna? Oh, Vesna. Okay, cool. So that's a really neat, uh, you know, uh, cool thing to do, I suppose. Yeah, and that's then, awesome. Um, uh, and then there's there's some other things, uh, but who cares? So uh, <laughs> Amber, thanks so much for taking oh, the time to, you guys. to come by, and um, I hope that I've at least planted some seeds for you to have more social awkward encounters in Fort Houston. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, oh, this is—I wasn't even thinking about that before. Yeah, <laughs> now this is just weird. Destroying my whole process. Oh man, messing with my <laughs> messing with my groove, dude. No, um, I really appreciate it, and uh, I love the uh, idea uh, and the framework and just the whole thing that you've come up with. Uh, and I think you've got a lot more to sort of iterate and grow with it. And that's such a yeah. cool thing, right? When you've got something you've made that that has. Um, uh, endless amount of uh, iterations and futures uh, coming from it. So pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, thanks a lot, Sensei Joe. Thank you. Thanks, right. Amber. Great Thank getting, you guys. up with you. Okay, guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone